1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look at a few verses from 1 Corinthians 15 this morning to help us uh, think through the Easter story and how um, appropriate and how um, essential it is that we grasp what's going on. We're going to read from verse 12 down to verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 15. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also, uh, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are to be most pitied. Let's pray as we come to look at that passage together. Lord, you're a God who speaks to us. And we pray that this morning you would speak to us and talk to us and help us to see this uh, gospel message, this wonderful resurrection news, uh, uh, again afresh and be amazed by it. We pray that you do this by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a genre of films and books called alternate history. Maybe you've read them, maybe you've watched some of the films or TV programmes. The idea is you take a pivotal piece of history and you kind of imagine it came out differently to how it did. And so the most popular way that people and authors do this is with the Second World War. And they imagine what if the other side would have won? What if Hitler would have won? And so they imagine a, a history of what it would look like if the Third Reich would take power. You know, other ways that they've done it is if civil wars would have gone the other way. So if the other side would have won instead of the side that did win. But what if the Span- Spanish Armada would have been successful? What would the world look like? What would this country look like? And as you imagine these stories not happening or happening differently, then it changes everything. Then you start to see how important these things are, how pivotal they are in history. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul does something similar in one sense. He asks the question, what if? What if Jesus hadn't uh, come back to life? What if the resurrection hadn't happened? What difference would that make? Well, as we look at this passage this morning, we see just how pivotal and important it is when we remove it. Now, maybe this morning you're Uh, here or you're watching and you don't believe the resurrection is true well please listen in because as we look at this passage together we're going to see just how important and crucial and how good the news is and if you do believe then just listen again at how wonderful the story is as we remove the resurrection as it were we start to see just how important it is so if the resurrection didn't happen if the resurrection isn't true what difference would it make here's four brief things The first is this, if the resurrection didn't happen, Jesus is a fraud. If the resurrection didn't happen, Jesus is a fraud. Verse 17 tells us uh, that, um, verse 17, if Christ had not been raised, then your faith is futile. Everything you believe is pointless. The whole of Christianity rests on one man, one person who lived 2,000 years ago. Uh, Throughout his life on earth, he predicted his own death. He said he was going to die time and time again. He said that he would be killed and later he would come back to life. He would rise again. 
And those who killed Jesus knew this. Listen to this in Matthew 27. They said, the next day, that is after the day of preparation, this is after Jesus had died, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead and the, la and the, uh, the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to him, you have guards of soldiers, go and make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb as secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. You see what happened? They knew what Jesus had said, and so they tried to make sure that it wouldn't happen, that, that the, st the body wouldn't be stolen or anything like that, so they had the guards there. They knew that Jesus had declared, I will rise again. He said, I will lay uh, my life down. I have the power to lay it down and to bring it back again. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said all of these things, so if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you can ignore him. You can just say, I don't need to listen to Jesus. I don't need to listen to him at all. No re resurrection means that Jesus was deceiving people or he was deluded. If he was wrong about his resurrection and if he lied about that, why should we bother listening to anything else he said? Jesus is a fraud if the resurrection didn't happen. Secondly, if the resurrection didn't happen, forgiveness is impossible. Look at verse 17 again. It says, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. What does that mean? Well, Jesus' death on the cross, remember, wasn't just him, him being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It wasn't just because Judas betrayed him or there was a, this conspiracy to find him guilty when he wasn't guilty. No, no, Jesus knew he was going to die. He, was, he came to this world to accomplish something, to do something. On the cross, he was taking the consequences and the punishment for our sin and our rebellion against God. He was taking our death. If the resurrection didn't happen, then the punishment we deserve hasn't been paid for. If someone's found guilty of a crime, then they have to pay the price for that wrong, don't they? They have to go to prison. And all the time they're in jail, they are paying the price for the sin and the wrong that they've done. If Jesus didn't rise, he is still in the tomb. He hasn't paid the price for our forgiveness. We are still in our sins. We are still full of guilt and shame, and we hold it all. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he's a fraud. There is no forgiveness. The third thing is this, death is final. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, death is final. Look at verse 18. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then also... Uh, who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who've fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Before Jesus died, he said he had the power over death. He said that he could reverse it, he could defeat it. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then death has the final say. Death is more powerful than anyone, and we just have to stand in its shadow and be engulfed by it when it comes and can't do anything about it. Death is just that dark unknown that we all have to face and we have to live in that shadow. There's a, a Netflix series called The Good Place, which is about the afterlife, really, and it answers lots of interesting philosophical questions through comedy. I'm sure everybody's gonna be rushing to watch that after this. Um, but one of the things it deals with is, is talking about the big questions of life and death. And it's coming from the point of view where they don't believe in God, and they, they don't come from it from a Christian point of view, really. And this is what one of the characters said. All humans are aware of death, so we're all a little bit sad, all the time. That's just the deal. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, that's all we've got. 
we're just all a little bit sad because we know one day it's coming to an end and there's nothing we can do about it. Just like a train hurtling towards a track that has no end, uh, a track that comes to an end and the train keeps going, we're just stuck. Without Jesus rising from the dead, death has the final say. Are you avoiding thinking about death? Over this last year, we've been confronted by our mortality, haven't we? Look at us, we're, we're either sitting at home watching a church service, who would have thought we'd be doing that, or we're in a room sitting two metres apart from each other with the windows open, not allowed to sing. Why? Because we're, we're fearful and we want to protect each other because of death. It's right in our faces. The shadow is over us. Maybe we try and distract ourselves and not think about it. But there it is. If the resurrection didn't happen, Jesus is a fraud. Forgiveness is impossible. Death is final. And the fourth thing is this. The future is bleak. Look at verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are to be pitied. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if the resurrection didn't happen, there is no hope for the future. There is no life after death. This is it. John 14, Jesus said these famous words. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. If Jesus didn't rise again, that is a lie. It sounds nice, sounds lovely, but if he didn't rise again, he can't guarantee that at all. Death has taken him over, and there is no hope for the future. The future is bleak, it's uncertain, and death wins. Now, that's a very brief look at what life would look like if Jesus didn't rise again. And I hope you can see and feel how bleak that is. But maybe that's how you're living today. Maybe you're living as if the resurrection isn't true, and you can have to say, well, I believe, I'm thinking that Jesus is a fraud. I'm thinking that, um, that there's no chance of forgiveness. I'm just living with this guilt. I, there's no hope of anything after death. And, you know, death wins. The good news of Easter is this. I don't have to finish the talk there. <laughs> I don't have to finish this message there. We can go on. The resurrection is true. It did happen. Jesus did rise again, which means what? Well, let's kind of reverse and look at all those points again with the hope of the resurrection. Because if Jesus rose from the, from the dead, if the resurrection is true, Jesus is true. He's not a fraud. I want you to imagine that someone comes on the news this afternoon and they say, I have got a guaranteed way that I can rid this whole world from the coronavirus. I can fix it. And you can hug whoever you want. You can sing in church. You can um, go and spend time with whoever you want. You can go on holiday. You can, you know, you don't have to stand two meters apart from everybody. I can get rid of it all. You don't have to wear masks inside. All of that can go. And I can get it done next week. Now, they are some big claims, aren't they? What would that person have to do? Well, they'd have to prove it, wouldn't they? You can't just say things like that without proving it. Jesus went around making some very big claims. He did things that only God could do. He said that he was the resurrection and the life. He said that he had power over death. He said that he had the power to forgive sins. He said that he was the promised king, the Messiah. He made these claims. And you can't just go around saying things without backing it up. But the resurrection was Jesus proving it. When he rose from the dead, it was him saying, see, everything I've said, everything I've done to this point is true and real. I am who I said I am. 
that means that God has entered this world. So the question of God being real or not is answered at the resurrection. That means that God loves you dearly because he came to this world to save you and to rescue you. It means there is hope for the future. There is help for your life now. You're not on your own. The resurrection shows us Jesus is true. I really think the resurrection is such a helpful place for us to go if this morning you're dealing with doubt. This isn't just like, look how much better this news is, is for you. It is that as well. But actually, we can believe this. We don't have to just, as I often say, leave our brains at the door. We, we can look at this. Did he rise? Because if he did, then that answers so many of our questions. And it's natural for us to doubt. If we don't doubt, then we can't fight that doubt. It's like antibodies in our body. We need them, don't we, to be able to fight <laughs> against the illnesses that come. We need doubt to make our faith stronger. Don't be afraid of doubt. Press in and, and, and find answers. If you're doubting, look at the resurrection. Look at the explosion of the early church. How could that happen if 12 men were just making this up? Look at how they were willing, the disciples, to die for this cause. Yes, people die for things that aren't true, but do people die for things they know are a lie? Every one of them. At the beginning of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, it tells us in verse, where is it, um, early on, verse 4 and 5, uh, he, who he appeared to. He raised on the third day, and then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then verse 6, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Now, this letter to the Corinthian church was written about 15 years after Jesus rose again. So, he is saying, look, 500 people were there, most of them are alive. See what Paul is saying to us? Go and ask them. If you don't believe this, just go and ask. They're still around. Some of them have died. Some of them fall asleep, but most of them are still around. You can't make this kind of thing up 15 years after it happens. That's impossible. Can you imagine trying to make up a story as vast as this, as, as, um, as crazy as this, from 15 years ago? That was 2006, if my maths are any good. I should have worked that out before. Is that right? Yeah, 2006. 2006 doesn't seem that long ago, does it? I know for some in here it might, but for, for most of us, we think, that seems like a couple of years ago, really. You can't make something up that happened then. The resurrection is true. Look at the evidence. Look at the written evidence here. If you're doubting this morning, let me encourage you, look into it. If you're not sure, again, let me encourage you, don't uh, dismiss without having a reason to dismiss the resurrection. You need a reason to believe it's not true as well as us giving reasons why it is true. Jesus is true if the resurrection happened. If the resurrection happened, not only is Jesus true, but forgiveness is possible. Imagine that you go camping one day and you find a nice spot. It's lovely, you know, the grass is perfectly kept, the trees are, are lovely, and there's a lovely view. Um, and there's even a barbecue there. So you set up camp and you start using the barbecue. You think, what a lovely spot this is. And then somebody comes up to you and says, excuse me, this is my garden. What are you doing? <laughs> you, you can't just come and camp here. This is my land. Well, you'd be, they'd be right to send you off, wouldn't they? And you'd probably be embarrassed. But this is God's world. We can't just do whatever we want here. This is my land, God says. Have you been living in a way that uh, this world is yours? This life is yours? God made this world. He made all of it. And the problem is we live in it and we ignore him. We live in it and we try and do things our own way. We offend him, we hurt him. We abuse what is his. 
See what that means, by the way, for us as humans. God made us all. So when you hurt or you abuse or you damage another person, as well as hurting them, you're also hurting and abusing God and his gift. We're precious to God. So we've offended God. We deserve to face the consequences, to be punished for that. Because this is his world. He calls the shots, not us. And on the cross, Jesus came to bear that punishment, to be forsaken. He was taking our place. When Jesus walked out of the grave, that's what he was doing, was showing, I've paid for it. Remember earlier we thought a prisoner is in prison until they've paid the price. And when they walk free, that is their way of saying, I've done it. I've paid now for my wrong. When Jesus walked out of the grave, he was showing us, I've paid for your wrong. It's dealt with. Imagine that you had a, a big bill to pay, like thousands of pounds, you know, and you didn't have the money in your bank. And um, you thought that you'd paid this bill, but you couldn't find uh, the receipt. And then the person who you paid that bill couldn't find the receipt either. So basically, you're in this big position where you've got to pay this bill, and you thought you had, they're asking for it, and you think, oh no, what am I going to do? And then you find the receipt. And it says on it, a stamp on it, it was a long time ago, maybe a stamp that says, paid in full. And you take that to the person who you owe the debt to, and you say, see, it's paid. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was his way of saying, paid in full. Your sin has been dealt with, all of it, once and for all. So are you feeling guilty today? Are you feeling ashamed today? Then Jesus says, look at the resurrection. I've paid it in full. Christian, if you're trusting in Jesus, look at the resurrection as he walks through, he's saying, I've paid for that. That sin that you think, oh, even that, I've paid for that. It is in the past. It is done. It is dead. It is dealt with. Trust in Jesus today. Look at the resurrection, paid for in full. So Jesus is true. Forgiveness is possible because the resurrection happened. Not only that, death is not the end. I want you to use your imaginations with me for a moment. It's a silly story, but use your imaginations. Imagine a land far away. And in this land, there's a town. And in this town, there's a tunnel. And in this tunnel, there is darkness, as most tunnels are. And uh, every year, somebody from that town would go into that tunnel to try and find out what was on the other side. Because nobody knew where it came from. Nobody knew who built it. And nobody knew anything about the other side. So every year, somebody would go and they would walk through that tunnel. But the problem was every year, that person who went through wouldn't come back. Every year, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, one person would go, and every year they wouldn't come back. One year, the same thing happened. Somebody goes, and they go to get through the other side of the tunnel. And the people wait, but they think we're waiting in vain. They wait, and they wait, and then they hear footsteps. Then they see a flashlight. The person comes back, and they say, I've been to the other side. I know what's there. I've been there. Now, if anybody else in that town wanted to go through that tunnel, who do you think they wanted to go with? Well, the person who's been there, the person who's gone through. For us, death is a dark tunnel that we know nothing about because none of us have been there. But Jesus has. And not only has he been there, but he's been through the other side. And he says to each one of us, if you don't want to fear death, hold my hand and I'll take you through. Jesus says, trust in me. Believe in me. You don't have to fear it. You don't have to stand in death's shadow. I can be with you and walk with you even in the deepest, darkest valley of the shadow of death. Jesus has defeated it. Death is not the end. Jesus came out the other side. 
in, at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, do you see what Paul writes? Famous words in verses 54 and 55, he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Or death, where is your victory? Or death, where is your sting? Like a bee, you know, some bees, not all bees, I've been told, but some bees, if they sting once, that's it. There's no more sting. You don't have to be afraid of it anymore. Like the same way, death, the sting has been taken out of death. You don't need to fear it because Jesus has defeated it. Maybe over this last year, death has drawn close to you and you've been fearful. Maybe you're afraid and you don't know where to turn. Who can I trust to help me with this big, dark tunnel? There's only one, and that's Jesus Christ. Death is not the end because the resurrection really happened. Jesus is true. Forgiveness is possible. Death is not the end. And the last thing is here, there is hope for the future. The resurrection shows us that Jesus is who he said he was. He's the promised one. He's the one who said, I am coming to, um, to offer you forgiveness, to restore your relationship with God, but as well to one day return. The story of Jesus doesn't finish at Easter Sunday. 40 days he spent with his disciples after this, teaching them and telling them, equipping them for what they were going to do and tell the world about this great news. And then he ascended to heaven. And he said, I will be coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to fix this world. And he says, me rising again is proof that that is going to happen, that that promise will take place. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15 again, we didn't read this part, but let me read from verse 51. It says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. There is hope for the future. There is resurrection for everybody who believes, and that's because Jesus rose again. As I say every Easter, I can't think of a better illustration, like the first daffodil of spring. When Jesus rose, everything else was going to come true. When the daffodil comes out, you know spring is coming, summer's on its way. Jesus was that for us. Now that means today, however dark things are, it means that there is light at the end. It means that there can be hope for the future. It can be a happily ever after for anybody who trusts in Jesus. Now, the younger ones know here, the first time you watch a film and it's tense and it's scary, you can be in our house, there are some literally on the edge of their seats when it's a bit tense. You know, I'm sure you've seen that, especially in younger children. Maybe that's you, I don't know. Uh, and, and you watch that film and it's tense and you, you're a bit uncomfortable because you, you think, what's going to happen here? But with children's films, mostly they're happy endings. If they're not, you probably think, oh, should we watch this? I don't know. But mostly they're happy endings, aren't they? And the great thing about children's films is you watch them time and time again, don't you? And the second time you watch a film, that edge of the seat tenseness isn't there, is it? Because you know, or it might be a little bit, but you know, I know the ending now. I know it's going to turn out all right. When Jesus rose again, that was a kind of a reminder to us. He is saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It doesn't mean we sit back, relax, and don't care. Of course, we're going to be built up and there's going to be tension and things are going to be hard. But if you're in darkness now and despairing, look to the resurrection. Because Jesus says, you know, it's going to be okay. You can trust in me. I can help you. Now, maybe today you're living as if the resurrection isn't true. And part one of this message that Jesus is a fraud, the forgiveness is impossible, 
uh, the death is the end, there's no hope for the future, is describing your life. Can you see it doesn't have to be like that? And not just because it sounds nicer, but because a real event in history made it possible for that to be different. I pray today that you would see that I want to believe this is true, but that I can believe it's true as well. The resurrection brings us glorious hope and immense joy. And if you're a Christian this morning, can you see what we have to rejoice in? Can you see the hope it brings? Can you see why it's hard not to sing this morning? Because this is great news. Jesus is alive. In a few moments, we're going to sing, listen to a song or sing if you're at home, Thine be the glory, a hymn that Christians have sung for so long, celebrating and rejoicing in the glorious news. Death, uh, where is your sting? So before we do that, let me pray and let me um, pray. And and maybe this morning you want to pray for the first time and think, you know, I want to believe. I want to follow Jesus. Then um, pray with me here. And this could be a moment where you start to know not the tyranny of death, but actually that Jesus defeated it. Hope for the future, forgiveness here and now. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, for the, the news that the resurrection brings and the hope that it brings us. I want to pray if anybody is here this morning who doesn't yet know you, anybody watching uh, online, that they would come to know you. Would they pray even now? Lord, would you forgive me for the wrong I've done? I thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross. Please help me now to live for you. We thank you, Lord, that for many of us, we can say that you helped us to see that truth. We wouldn't have seen it without you. And we pray that many more would come to know you today. Lord, please help us to really believe and really be excited by this great news. And we pray that this news would transform our lives, the lives of those around us, and transform this valley that we live in. And there will be songs of joy and rejoicing in heaven over many who turn to believe in you even today. And we pray this all in his name. Amen.